en hartelike goeiemorgen, welkom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, die woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na die woord, en Psalm 119, sê, die woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraag laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy moendlik kan worstel nie. Kry dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Our family is just getting bigger and bigger. Welcome to 657 AM. And a warm-hearted good morning. Live from our studios here in Kilner Park in Pretoria, 42 Jacoba Street. Kilner Park and wherever you are on God's earth, indeed a privilege to be in your company this morning. Well, some of in the atelier and uh, so is altijd op a dinsdagmorgen, the pastor uh, Rocky Stevenson. Honorable Stevenson, how are you keeping on this Tuesday morning? Yeah, very well, thank you, Vainant. What a joy it is to be here. Uh, wonderful to have you here as well. We'll introduce your guest a little bit later on, but I think we'll get right into it. Um, as jy a vraag het, die program in die weesend, die DNA van die program is, as jy a vraag het uit die skrifteit, Iemand het iets gesê ergens wat net nie sin maak nie, miskien oor die wederkomst van die Heere, miskien oor die Oud Testament, Nieuwe Testament, wat het ook al mag wees. Ons laat geen steen onaangeraak om die waarheid te vind. Jy onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte en as jy net luister na die program volgend, bid dat ons in die geest geluisel word en dat wat ons met jou sal deel, die hoogste gesag aan die mens, Godse woord is en dat ons syver woord aan jou sal bring. We're always uh, talking about the undiluted word of God, that the highest authority known to mankind and so, as you intercede, as you listen this morning, trust that you will learn something, that you would walk away a changed person from this program, that you can indeed say with us, God is a good God, and His Word is eternally true. So, you send your WhatsApps to 82 657 That was a bit quick for you, here it comes again, 82 Vodacom Network, then 6 Five seven, the frequency in which we broadcast, the number two in between, and then seven two nine. Radio Cape Pulpit a frequency send it through. Just kindly sideline remark. Just kindly uh, add the scripture. Uh, that you don't understand, that you're not clear on. Just add that scripture. It makes life just a little bit easier here in stereo. Kom ons spring weg met die eerste vraag. En Sissel, ek sien vir jou daar, baie dankie daar op WhatsApp, is van die vraag wat al ingekom het. Nog iemand wat reeds een vraag ingesteer het, Isaac Sharp, that said, Good day, I enjoy your teachings on radio. Simple question, are we a church only when we are at church service? Or are we still a church as a group of Christians having lunch together uh, at a certain place, be it in a park, be it at a restaurant, be it at home? Are we still church? Does the scriptures have an answer for us? Rocky, over to you. Yeah, the the term church is in the Bible is used in, in two primary ways. One being the universal church of the Lord Jesus Christ and the other being the local church. If you are born again as a believer, you become part of the universal church. 
But then also as being part of the universal church, you have this desire to be part of the local church. I'm going to give a number of references um, and thank you to Isaac for sending the question through. In Ephesians 1, to 23, as well as 1 Corinthians 12, 27, we find the aspect of the local church. The universal church refers to all believers in Christ across time and space. All those since Acts chapter 2 that have believed on the Lord Jesus, have confessed him as Lord, that becomes part of the universal church. And while the local church then refers to the specific group of believers that are gathered together in a particular place, like at Benoni Bible Church, and the believers that gather there are part of Benoni Bible Church as a local church in that area that now are a representative of that universal church becoming part of that local church. Not everybody that is part of a local church is necessarily part of the universal church. It may be that some have become members at a local church, but actually have not truly become part of the universal church. And God knows who those are. He knows who's really on the narrow road versus who's on the, the broad road. But it may be that you're part of a univer- the universal church and you haven't yet become part of the local church. Now then, you are called by the scriptures to become part of the the local church of Christ. So when a person becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, they're united with the local church and they become part of the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. However, it's very important to note that God designed the local church as a vital expression of that universal church, the reality that you're part of the church. And so to become part of the local church, various local churches will have different ways that you become part of. But typically, a believer would go through a process of publicly professing their faith in Jesus Christ. And many times that would be through baptism. We would see that as part of your becoming part of the local church and then committing themselves to the community as well as sharing the mission of that local church. Acts 2 verse 41 to 42 is another good place to see this. This involves, if you're at that local church, submitting to the leadership of that local church, Hebrews thirteen seventeen, um, engaging in worship, Colossians three sixteen, fellowship, Hebrews 10, as you see in that passage in Hebrews 10, says don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves, Hebrews ten twenty five, and discipleship, as well, when we think of the Great Commission of, of uh, Matthew 28, we have that same mission as the local church to be part of that discipleship process. And then when it's, when it's necessary, even church discipline, Matthew 18 or 1 Corinthians 5. So while it's possible for somebody to, to be part of the universal church without being a part of the local church, it is their responsibility and obedience to God to and it's his design to actively seek to join a local church now you might not have a local church in your area well then it may be part of god's plan for you to plant a local church with other christians and with other believers in that type of an area so believers are called to submit themselves to one another ephesians 5:21 that's the context of that local church to growing community acts 2 and to contribute their gifts as well as their talents in the edification of the body so in summary the the universal church includes all believers of all time in Christ Ephesians 1:22 to 23 while the local church then represents this gathering of believers in a specific place to become part of the local church we've touched on some of those elements But when it comes to the question that we have from Isaac of whether we are a church 
only when we are at a church service or if we are still a church when we gather as Christians in other contexts like a lunch together. The answer lies in understanding the essential element of the purpose of the church. The church is not limited to a physical building. Of, or a specific time of gathering. We do it at Benoni Bible Church. Our corporate assembled gathering together is at 9.30 and at 5 o'clock in the night. We have our worship service on the Lord's Day. But it's the church is not limited to that physical building or that specific time. Instead, it's a community of believers who are united in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in their commitment to follow him. So the church exists to glorify God, to growing faith, to encourage one another, to carry out the mission and the spread of the gospel. And so while the assembled worship of the church is absolutely crucial, I mean, we do that week by week, like the church has done that since Acts 2. We've, we do that and we cry out, come Lord Jesus, come. That's part of what we do as the church, as we assemble in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That formal church service holds that significance because of the fact that you are part of the church. And so we are the church, those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we have a church service, that's the assembly of the church. That's calling together all of those components that make up what the church is in that given area. And Hebrews ten twenty four to 25, let me rephrase that uh, or, or again touch on that. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day join. Yes, so it's important to recognize that the church is more than just its formal assemblied gathered times on the Lord's Day. But only Bible church is not simply our our worship service times. It's the people that make up that body of believers. We don't neglect that assembly together, yeah. but it's much more than just those church service times. Isn't it Corinthians that says our bodies are the temple of God? Yes. It just makes me think that... Yes, you're right. First Corinthians twelve twenty seven. If our bodies are yeah. the temple of God, then surely if Christ lives in us, we're the church going around, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Now, yeah. you are Christ's body, it says, yeah. and individually members of it. Right. That's it. Isaac Sharp, thank you so much. Bless your heart uh, for that. And uh, thank you for a very interesting question. Karen Miller. Uh, Rocky, she quoted the Isaiah 54 and verse 7. She she uh, made mention of Isaiah 54 and verse 7. I looked it up in the meantime, uh, where God says, For a brief moment I abandoned you, but for uh, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. She says there a very interesting thing. Hi, Tim. It says the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. Then somebody quoted the other day a verse that says, I will forsake you, yet just for a moment I have gathered you uh, under my Mm. feathers. Mm. And um, so thank you. And she says, can you kindly clarify, if never means never, isn't this a a, a scripture in contradiction? How are we to understand this scripture then? Does the Lord ever forsake us for a brief moment? Yeah, so what what we see here, and we must understand the Bible within its genre and within its context, we have a prophecy from Isaiah, which in particular was to the people of Israel. And you have God for a time actually having the people of Israel at a distance. And even the Apostle Paul touches on this in Romans 11. And we've we've mentioned this before in previous scriptilic um, inserts. But in Romans 11, and we were actually talking about it in the car, myself and Jordan, 
earlier on on the way with regard to Israel. And Israel, for a season, has a veil that remains over their heart. And that's part of God's purposes and his design. If you read the beginning part of Romans 11, he says there, um, the Apostle Paul, I say then, has God rejected his people? May it never be, for I too am an Israelite, a seed of Abraham and the tribe of Benjamin. So what he's touching on here is the same question of what we have from Koran regarding Isaiah, because it would seem like God has actually rejected Israel. But yeah. has he rejected Israel? No. There's still those that are part of Israel that are getting saved. Yeah. There's still Jews that are coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. On a daily However, basis. However, it would seem that from a glance, it seems as though in their religion, they are still rejecting Jesus. They are they, they they are waiting still for another Messiah, and it would seem that that as a whole, the nation of Israel has been rejected. No, they haven't. God has still got a plan for Israel, and though there is a hardness of heart, and he continues, he says, God has not rejected his people, verse 2 of uh, Romans 11, whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they are seeking my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I have left for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And so later on, we see even in Romans 11, that God has always got a remnant. Even amongst Israel today, there are those that call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, as Romans 10 teaches us, and they believe. And God has got a plan for physical Israel, and we know that that will take place after the rapture of the church and during the tribulation period where all of Israel will turn to him. The 144,000 will turn to him. Micah says they will look on him whom they pierced, and they will turn. And so that passage in Isaiah is referring to the way in which for a season— there's this hardness of heart regarding Israel, but that is until the fullness of the Gentiles has come about. All right. Uh, thank you so much uh, for that question, Karen. I hope that uh, clarifies it uh, for you. Bless your heart uh, for that. Pietro, you are up next. Uh, let me just give that number once again. And uh, if you want to send in your question, scriptural 082657-2729. Rocky, we've touched on this numerous of times. Uh, and perhaps uh, Petra just didn't hear it. However, I don't want to ignore the question. Um, and uh, if we can just g- give a brief summarize, uh, summarizing uh, of, of uh, what we have said before. Petra said, Goeiemorgen, Radio Council. Ek wil net graag weet of verassing sonde is. Moet ons begrawe word. Uh, geniet die dag, baie dankie vir die woord, baie dankie vir Radio Council. Yeah, it, it does seem that this question comes up quite a lot. <laughs> yes. um, and and of, obviously that's in our minds too often. God made Adam and Eve from the dust of the earth. He can put dust together, he can put ashes together. Yeah. And there's no specific place that prohibits the the burning of, or let's say the the cremation of a saint. Um, when we are absent from these bodies, we will be present with the Lord. Yeah. And we will look forward to that resurrected body at that time of the rapture. And so that is the expectation of every believer that yeah. is with Christ. We don't go to heaven and we don't have the rapture in these specific bodies. There's, there will be a change and we will have a body that is like the Lord Jesus' body. 
And so God is able to put together back the dust or back the ashes uh, one day. I do think that there is an element where you can have a testimony to others regarding a gravestone. And so um, I would likely wish that, that, that my family would bury me, but that's not my job. Once yeah. I'm gone, that's up to them in yeah, many yeah, respects. Yeah. And the Lord hasn't given us any specific place that says thou must be buried or thou must be cremated or thou oh. shouldn't or thou shouldn't. Can, so, can we ask there, there's a, there's a lot of um, other religions, Rocky, on the face of this planet that cremates their dead. And, and isn't there a notion that it's a, 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 a practice of non-believers, so to speak? Yes. And therefore people, that brings up that question of, I'm scared, you know, isn't it a, a, a heathen practice, a, a non-believing practice. Yeah. And, and I would say, I mean, First Corinthians 11 also, and I think 12 and 10 even touch on, on issues of conscience. And if you are in an area where the practice is pagan to actually be cremated, then it may be a good practice for the Christian to be buried. And so there would be a sensitivity, I guess, to the nations that you are around and the testimony that you would have as a Christian in that yeah. regard. So, but in South Africa, um, very much, I mean, I've been, I've done a lot of funerals at one stage, one year, my record was 13 in one year at, um, in Middleburg, I was helping a, a um, undertaker there. And, and so 13 and, and a lot of them were Christian burials or yeah. Christian cremations. All right. And, and I think in South Africa, that cultural element doesn't really hold much. If you were, let's say Nordic countries, where there seems to be this revival of the old pagan rituals in some put areas. Put you in a canoe, yes, send you out into the lake, and, and then and, yes, light, and you, then up light you up as a pyre. <laughs> you know? um, I think that, that then it would be wise yeah. for the Christian to rather, rather not do that right. and not be a part of that. And I think that there's elements of that in South Africa in regard to um, ATR, African traditional religion, and some of the practices that maybe take place. As Christians, we don't take part in pagan rituals. And so there, there would be some wisdom that would need, need to be applied. Right, baie dankie ook dan vir die vraag. Peter, ek hoop dit antwoord vir jou, dit was letterlik net in een nete dop gewees. Die uh, nommer hier in die atelier, as jy jou vraag wil instuur, 02657-2729, 02657-2729, en uh, as jy net een stille toehoorder is in jou motor in jou huis by die werkplek, en vanochtend luister na hierdie program bid vir ons hier in die atelier, dat die en vir ons boe natuurlijk ook die skrifte sal belig en uitwees en dat ons jou met gesag uit die woordheid dan kan antwoord. So, Ikaza sê ons moet ook muziek neem en ek wil vinnig net gauw een liekie hier indruk Sean Pelley wat sê I just want to be with you. Wanneer ons terugkom, dan kyk ons na een machtomvra wat ingestroom het vir oogend. Blijg er is ingeskakel, skrifteerlik tot en met 12 uur vanmorgen. Wat hy... Lay it back, beautiful song, beautiful words, I just want to be with you, Sean Pillay, 29 minutes to uh, 12 o'clock, we be here till about, uh, what is it, 11.55, 5 minutes to 12, so if you want to get your question in on time, do so right now, 082-657-2729, send it through, 082-657-2729. We got, well, the name is there, but she says, please keep me anonymous. My uh, pastor says the Holy Spirit was poured out only once. 
my pastoor sê die heilige geest is net een mal uitgestoord wat dan van amal wat daarna die heilige geest ontvang het what then about all those who received uh, God's spirit afterwards uh, thank you so much for uh, uh, your program Rocky what do we answer a listener like that yeah thank you so much for the question it's a good question uh, what you have is that when you are born again you are baptized into the Holy Spirit that's what happens at the moment that you are born again that does not mean that the Holy Spirit is once more poured out the Holy Spirit is a person he is the third person of the Holy um, Trinity he was active even in the Old Testament but he has been sent in a very special way listen to what our Lord Jesus says in John 14 from verse 26 but the advocate the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And so Jesus, even then, John 14, speaks of the Holy Spirit who is proceeding from the Father and from the Son. He's poured out once. And this is what our Lord Jesus even told his disciples to go back to Jerusalem. Even while he was ascending on high, he says, go back. And you can see this at the end of the book of Luke, and you can see this at the beginning of the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is helpful for you to realize that the book of Acts can be split up into four sections. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have told you to do. Uh, and he says, start at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Yeah. The book of Acts, we see that play out. And so we see a, a, a distinct way in which the Holy Spirit comes to the Jews first in Acts 2. Then we see him coming to the Samaritan, well, we, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We see the Holy Spirit coming to all of these distinct groups of people all the way into Acts chapter 10 where you see Cornelius as a Gentile oh, getting right. saved yes. and his family being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that there's a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was prece- preceded from the Father and the Son and at Acts 2 was that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which was a change. The church that we, you know, the, the church age that we that was started at Acts chapter 2 is because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit wasn't active in the Old Testament. You remember Saul had the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was taken from Saul. Um, you have David actually praying Psalm 51, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Because there was, he knew Saul had the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit was taken from him. Please don't take the Holy Spirit from me. There was a different work that the Holy Spirit did in the Old Testament. But it doesn't mean that now when you are saved and born again that God now pours out the Holy Spirit once more. He's already been sent and that happened at Pentecost. And there is a time when the Holy Spirit will be withdrawn. And we know that in First Thessalonians. That's with the rapture of the church. That is the, he is the restrainer. That's another name of the Holy Spirit. And he currently restrains the work of the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is revealed once the restrainer is removed. That restraining power is removed with the rapture of the church. And so there will be a day when that outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened at Acts 2 will be brought back with the rapture of the church.
Right, uh, to our anonymous listener, thank you so much for an excellent question. Thank you for taking part in the program. Groot waardering, baie dankie dat jy skriftierlik luister en dat jy deelneem aan die program. Die Ewe Weinander so achter die microfoon, saam my in die atelier dan, uh, pastoor Rocky Stevenson, aan die einde van die program gaan ons dan ook sy telefoonnummer gee as jy graag met hom uh, verder wil gesels. Kan hy, uh, let's keep this uh, listener also anonymous. Uh, Rocky, if, if that's okay with you, Hy sê, ek wil graag een goeie pa wees, ek wil my kinders recht leer, ja, jy weet nou precies van wie ek praat, hy sê, ongelukkig is ek ook een roker, uh, dank die heren, ek drink glad nie, uh, maar ek rook al vir jare, en uh, rook is een sonde, ek probeer nou hier lees soos wat hy getik het, so waar trek mens nou die lijn om jou kinders recht te leer van sonde, dan gaan hy verder uit die hele ding daar wat hy skryf, hy sê maar um, die bybel sê ook jy moet nou nie klippe gooi na ander mense uh, wat sonde het nie, want as jy nou self sonde het, moet jy nou nie klippe gooi nie waar trek ons die lijn where do you actually draw the line I'd like to teach my kids correct how do I discern between can I discern between sin? Smoking is right, but lying is not right. Lifestyle, uh, alternative lifestyles is not right. Where do I draw the line? And do I have the right to go and uh, preach to other people, to share the gospel with other people? What yeah. do we answer this, yeah. listener? Yeah, what I would say is, um, yeah, praise God that you have the desire to be a, a good father. That would be, that's commendable right from the outset. Very much and so. And praise God for that. Um, another thing is, you're not a smoker; you're a sucker. No, okay. Well, no. <laughs> well <laughs> the cigarettes, I, 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 the cigarettes I did it smokes, for ten right? years in the, my life. The, the cigarette smokes, yeah. and you suck on it. No, yeah. but um, look, I, I would say, and on a serious note, um, the Bible upholds righteousness. Yeah, and you must teach the righteousness that the Bible upholds. The authority that any preacher has, any, and, and you know, I get up in the pulpit week after week. And I realized that God saved the worst of people and called them to be Christians. And then out of that group, he took the worst of those group and then he made them pastors. And the reality is that the power is not in us for any yeah, of this. It's and it's yeah. God's power and, and God's truth. And we uphold God's truth. When I get up in the pulpit and I say, thus says the Lord, it's not in my own strength that I even say that. And it's not because I have all my ducks in a row. Or, Of course, there is an element where, you know, you have deacons and elders and they need to be blameless. They need to be. It doesn't mean that they are sinless, but yeah. they are blameless in that regard. And so there is an element when I'm saying the teaching inside of the pulpit is slightly different when it comes to the role of the parent with the child. But my advice would be is you, you preach the truth and then you admit to the fact that you are not living up to it as you ought to. And then you begin to explore why you are not. Because the smoking is not the actual root sin. There's a deeper root sin of a lack of trust in the Lord at times. And so there must be that desire to say, Lord, please change me. And God has got the power to be able to change you and to then look to the Lord. And so I would say that you teach your children, even through your own um, bad habits, you show them and you say, listen, this is not godly. This is not right. This is something that needs to change in me. It's an addiction. It's and the worst addiction you can find on the face of this planet, isn't it? Well, I mean, there's loads of other addictions I think yeah, that will be probably much worse. Yeah. But the point is that you point out the righteous standards of God's word. Yeah. You're honest enough to point out the fact that you're actually not living up to that. But you also do not excuse the sin of your children or your own sin just because you're a sinner. Yeah. Now, of course, there is that 
you know, um, take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. Yeah. And so there is that element, and there is, but the biblical reality is, is that God has given us his word, and he has the power to help you to, to win over over that sin. Can we put it in perspective, the log in your own eye, as opposed to if, Rocky, if you're smoking and I'm smoking and I look at you with a cigarette in my hand and say, hey, brother, you really should give up smoking. You know, it's not godly. But I'm standing with a cigarette myself. Yeah, look, then we, that, then that, we that, might both just have um, have the speck ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the point even of that passage would be when when you're – actually not got things right in your own life and you're not honoring christ as you ought to but you find a lesser thing in a brother and you say now speck in the eye is also very irritating i was chopping some wood the other day and i got a little piece of the um obviously as i came down sawdust some of the sawdust or whatever got in the eye it's very frustrating you actually do need to get that speck taken out but who are you going to go to to get that speck taken out? If I go to my wife inside and she's got a tree in her eye, she's not going to be able to see to help me take that speck out. Yeah, she enough. needs to be able to have um, a clear eyesight to yeah. be able to take it out. And, and I'd like the speck taken out, please, because it's irritating the eye. So it doesn't mean that the speck shouldn't be taken out. You know, you do want to get that speck out. But you definitely want to make sure that you're going to somebody that actually is able to assess that speck properly without smacking you in the face with a log. And so Jesus makes that perspective in in regard to, in particular, the Pharisees who had all of these laws that were written down for them, and they sought to have this like righteous kind of behavior. But in the heart, Jesus said that they were whitewashed tombs. They were absolutely filthy in the heart, but they're trying to go to people less filthy than them to say, hey, uh, be better with us. But I think for, for a father with a child, um, you know, you're never going to be sinless. But yeah. that that's not what – Deuteronomy 6 is a good passage to go and study in regard to this. Ephesians chapter 4, um, where you see the role of the father to not exasperate the child. Yeah. So, of course, there can be something exasperating. You know, if you're standing there with your cigarette and then you smack your child saying, don't put a cigarette. You know, like I think you can exasperate. But I think with discipline and with the right behavior and the right humility – you can come to your child and say, look, my child, like, I wish I'd never, ever done this. Yeah. And isn't yeah. that a wonderful way that we teach our children? Your First Corinthians 10 speaks about the people of Israel being an example for us, that we would ourselves not have that type of hardened idolatry. And I do think that at times parents even look to their children and they say, listen, this is something I really never should have done. Yeah. And I would yeah. like you to not do this. Ah, right. And this would not be good for you to do. Hear me, my child. Yeah. And um, another good example would be the book of Proverbs. So let me encourage the father that has sent this question question in. Go study the book of Proverbs. Yeah. Because one of the things that you'll see with the book of Proverbs, and you'll remember that Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, and here's where it dovetails perfectly with this. Most of what you see there, he, he portrays the adulteress, and he portrays wisdom. And he portrays having one wife compared to having multiple wives. Solomon is the man that, as far as we know, had the most wives. He had up to a thousand wives. That was absolutely wrong. But yeah, he writes the book of Proverbs teaching his son the way of wisdom. And so the reality is is that God's word transcends our experience. And God's word has an authority that is beyond our experience. Mm. And so we give the standard of God's word to God's people and to our children. And that's the right thing for the father to do. 
Rocky, I want to come in here and t- to this listener. We've kept you uh, anonymous uh, for a reason. I-, I just want to state on air here that many, many, many years ago, almost 30 years ago, I used to smoke for a good 10 years of my life. And you would think, my goodness, and they allow that uh, man on radio, a uh, Christian radio of all things. But I knew that when the Lord saved my soul, that there was something definitely wrong with the addiction and the smoking. And I will never forget one night where the Lord had sent an elderly gentleman to me. He walked across the room, came, he put his hand on my shoulder, and he said these words. He said, son, it's time to get rid of the dead kings out of God's temple. We spoke about God's temple. Corinthians, Rocky, I think you've touched on it. First Corinthians 6. I will never forget when I came across that that scripture in God's word because it bothered me that I smoked. And I, I, I went and I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, set me free. This addiction is terrible. Set me free from it. Three years after I was spiritually reborn, rebirthed, and I remember that night I fell down on, on my knees on King's Beach in Port Elizabeth. There wasn't a, a shooting stars, phosphor in the, in the waves, nothing. And I just said, Lord, set me free. The next morning I woke up with the worst possible throat infection that you can ever think of. Man, I almost died. I, I, you know, to the extent that I went to loved ones around me and said, just keep my packet there. I think I'll, I'll get back to you later. And then, you know what? Three months later, God's Spirit just said to me, you've been free from cigarettes now for six months. You can do it for a lifetime. And the Lord set me free. Rocky, that being said, anonymous and everybody and anybody smoking right now, would you do for us a short prayer? that God would set them free, because it's not the cigarettes that's standing between us and, and our Heavenly Father. Mm. I, I walk into shopping stores daily, and they're packed with cigarettes. Those cigarettes don't attack me. Mm. It is the addiction that drives us. Mm. That's that's standing between us and the Lord. Mm. Can I pray that, uh, can I ask you to do a short prayer? Those who want to be free from that addiction right now, would you pray a short prayer for yeah, us, my brother, sure. please? Lord, we thank you that you're the one that is all-powerful. And you're the one that has freed men like what we've just heard, the testimony of Anand. You freed him from his addiction to cigarettes. Lord, we know that we have a very real enemy, the enemy of the world, the enemy of Satan, and the enemy of our flesh, and how deceitful our flesh is. I pray, Lord, for any addiction that a listener may have, um, maybe even something other than cigarettes, that has become Lord over their life instead of the Lord Jesus, I pray that they would repent this day of their sin, that they would turn to you a very present help in time of trouble. And your word says in 1 John 1, 9, that you are faithful and just to forgive all those that will confess their sin. So I pray, Lord, that they would see their sin for what it is, that they would confess it before you, that they would turn to you, that they would mourn over their sin, and that they would celebrate their Savior, Forson, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave up his life for them. And so I pray, Lord, that you would free them from their sin. Help them to be decided in their following of you, that you would be the only one that has control over their bodies, that when you say go, they will go, when you say stay, they will stay, and that they would have a mind that is renewed by your Holy Spirit and by your word. Please, Lord, would you do this? For those that have a heart that is sincere before you this day, those that have been trusting in their own ways, 
that they would repent and that they would trust in your way and that they would realize that they desperately need your help every day to stay free from any addiction. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Somebody else says, please help me. I'm struggling with overeating, obesity as well. We're taking the music break. We're coming back right after this. If you say amen with us, we trust that the Lord had set you free completely this morning. Now they call themselves uh, King Collective. Uh, King's Collective. I is for me. Prachtig een daar. Is so 11 minuten voor 12. Jy is aangeskakel op Radio Kansel 657 AM. And I mentioned earlier that Rocky brought a... Uh, uh, is that your Uber driver that you brought, my brother? Well, I don't think he's old enough yet to be an Uber <laughs> driver, but that could have, we might have got you a bit earlier if I let him drive. Yeah, would you kindly introduce him, please? Yeah, sure. This is Jordan. Um, you've met, well, um, Vainant has met in person, but some of the listeners will remember that Jason, a while back, his older brother was here, and I introduced Jason. And so um, this is Jordan Myberg, and he's come with me today. He's writing exams, and so he's got a bit of an off day today. I think he's writing again on Thursday and Friday, I believe. But uh, welcome, Jordan. It's good to have you with us. Thank you. Jordan, what goes through your mind when you listen to us, the older guys, talking about the questions and you actually see it coming in? Do you struggle with questions? Do you have questions that uh, that you're facing that you think, man, how, how am I going to get past this? Um, well, I do have a couple of questions, but um, I've just been sitting here thinking that I want to be at a stage one day in my life where I'll be able to answer questions people and also be able to preach the gospel like Pastor Rocky and um, a bunch of other pastors that I look up to. Yes, wonderful. And as you listen to him, do you realize that he's just conveying what God's Word is saying, you know, not man's opinion, but God's opinion? Yeah. Do you experience that? Do you think uh, that's what you're hearing? Um, that's actually exactly what I'm hearing because I don't, I don't believe that there's a pastor or preacher that doesn't sin you know yeah. and it wouldn't be right that now just because i sin yeah. i can't preach the word of god yeah. we are sinners and we in a world we're of broken sin. people man. we are yeah. broken and yeah. thanks to jesus we are saved yeah. so how long you've been following the lord jesus um well i was born into a christian family but yeah. it's not to say just because i was born into a christian family that i'm now a, a christian, christian you know yeah so um i didn't really I was confused for most of my life on what I was actually doing. Yeah. Um, I actually had an extremely traumatic life in uh, my past, and especially in All my right. primary school. Okay. And I really just lost complete faith in the Lord, and um, I didn't like going to church at all. I didn't want to... What changed? Um, well, you see, there was this point in my life where I, just, I said to myself, why should I carry on struggling? Yeah. You know? And I've heard all these stories and testimonies of people being saved by God and everything. And I, my parents have taught me that if I ever need something, I can, and luckily I'm, uh, I have an open relationship with my parents. Yeah. Yeah. But I never really wanted to actually listen to the word because it, it became like a tedious task. I didn't want to do the Bible studies that yeah. everyone said I must. Yeah. But I'm going to push you here for an answer. We've got three minutes left yeah. in this program <laughs> and two more that. questions. So, yeah, so um, have, uh, you, have you come to that place where you can shout out my, my Redeemer, my Savior, my Lord, my Master? I think I've gotten to that place, but I still have to go. Um, I still have a journey to walk, but I've come to that place. You're in place good company. We yes. all have a, still have a journey yeah. to walk. It's wonderful to have you in studio, and thank you for joining us this 
Thank morning, you. Son. Pastor Rocky, back to you. Uh, we've got a question on predestination. Please explain to me the doctrine of predestination. Uh, is it true? If so, did Jesus not die for all uh, people? Uh, we've got two minutes left. Do you think, I think that would fill a whole year's teaching, mm. uh, six months teaching, can you do it in three minutes? I can try. Um, we, we can provide a bit of an overview to the doctrine and also acknowledge that there are many different perspectives within Christianity regarding this. It's a very complex um, idea, but it, yet it is biblical. Predestination is something that we have all over the Bible. You can't get away from it. Um, it, it it's, it's important to note also that predestination doesn't mean that God predestines certain individuals to eternal damnation, because that would be now this double view of predestination. Yeah. But rather, it pertains to God's gracious choice to save and to redeem people according to his perfect will. In Ephesians 1, verse 4 to 5, the Apostle Paul writes, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So what we need to realize is that predestination is a biblical concept. God has desired that all men would come to know him, and he has provided a savior for all mankind. Romans 8, 29 to 30 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So here we've got the sequence of events in God's redemptive plan. Foreknowledge predestination, calling, justification, and glorification. So it's also important to note that the Bible emphasizes the universal offer of salvation that is universally available for all people. And so when we look at something like election, I mean, this is a, it's a mind-boggling doctrine, and we're not going to get in enough time to really get into it more. But John 3.16 states, for, all, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There are people that do not believe in the Lord Jesus, that do not accept this universal offer of salvation. And those people will go to hell because of their rejection of Christ. But there are those that receive the Lord Jesus Christ and are born again. Those are the ones that show, because of their faith in Jesus, that they are part of the elect. They are elect because they have believed. They don't believe because they are elect. And that's, I think, the critical point to come to, is that once you believe, you show yourself to be part of the elect. Part of the problem with us as human beings is we so badly want to be God, and we want to be able to kind of know who's the elect, who's not the elect. That's for God to know. God knows who that is, but it's those that believe in him. First Timothy 2, verse 3 to 4, teaches that, that God desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And he has given himself freely so that all man can. And so his redemption at the cross has purchased exactly what is necessary for every single individual to be saved. He paid for the sin of the whole world. Yet there's those that believe, that receive that redemption through Christ. And through that believing in him, show themselves to be part of the elect. So I hope that helps answer the question. Um, predestination, election, all of these things are biblical concepts. It's all the way there throughout the New Testament. We can't deny it. Um, but we have a loving Savior who has extended himself to mankind that all who would believe would be saved. 
Pastor Rocky, bless your heart. Thank you so much. Jam-packed program. Lots and lots of questions that came in. Jordan, bless your heart. Sorry for cutting you short there. Some time, unfortunately, counting against us. But it was wonderful to have you with us uh, this morning. Somebody in particular you want to say bye to? Um, no. No. I just, I just wish everyone a blessed uh, life and hope that things go well with them. All right. Uh, Pastor Rocky, somebody wants to send you an email. How did they get hold of you? You're welcome to do that with the email address of pastor at bononibiblechurch.co.za. All right. Uh, now the responsibility lies with you to go and search the scriptures to see if these things are so that we have spoken on. Acts seventeen eleven. All that's left to say is keep well. God bless you. And I trust that the Lord has set you free this morning. Whatever addiction that you can say, great is the Lord God Almighty. Till next time, keep well, God bless you, and shalom.